The first scripture reading this morning is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, and may be found on page 1071 of your pew Bible. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things and keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. The word of the Lord. Be Second reading is from the book of Genesis, chapter 9 verses 8 through 17 and may be found on page 7 of your pew Bible. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And when I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. And when the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts find acceptance in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I've told several people since I began working with you in January that I typically am not a lectionary pre preacher, but it seems like invariably each week I've gone to one of the lectionary passages to deal with. And again today, that's the case. Uh, when I read the Genesis passage, I thought, being a rainbow person, I really wanted to talk about this. Um, I've always been a rainbow person, but when my wife and I and our family moved to the beach in 1997, one of the 
delightful experiences was how often we could see rainbows walking on the beach in the morning or in the evening. So I've always been fascinated and intrigued by rainbows. Every time you see one, it's like it's a new experience. You may have just seen one the day before, but people point out, oh, look, there's a rainbow. And I've been like that. In fact, the wallpaper on my phone for several years was a double rainbow I took a picture of um, when I was going across the Ben Sawyer Causeway one day. It's not the picture on the front of your bulletin, by the way, but pretty close. Um, Last week, I got into the into the car with my wife, and she's a big fan of listening to books on on tape or on Audible, and uh, she was listening to one of her favorite writers, Bill Bryson, in his book, Notes from a Small Island, telling about his life and experience when he lived in England, and he happened to be, at this point in the book, in the Lake District of England. Raise your hand if you've ever been to the Lake District. of Yeah, we've got a number of folks that have been there. Well, it's one of the most tranquil and beautiful spots in all of England, maybe in all of the world, but we had heard about it. It is the um, place of origin for some of England's greatest poets and literary figures. Wordsworth, Coleridge, uh, Southie, Beatrix Potter, the children's writer. And after we Uh, My wife and I decided we would go and visit uh, the Lake District when we were living in Edinburgh in 1974 and uh, really were looking forward to the experience. Well, we arrived, we stayed on the lake uh, in a bed and breakfast, and we were looking forward the following morning to a bus and boat excursion around the Lake District and on the lake. And sure enough, we got up in the morning, we were excited, we were hoping the weather would be good because our... uh, first child was under the age of one at the time and we didn't want to be out on the lake in a boat with it when it was raining. At any rate, when we boarded the boat and it started moving out across the water, all of a sudden these heavy clouds uh, descended upon the lake. Mist was everywhere and a drizzle began to fall. But as the boat pushed out, we witnessed a miracle unfold before our eyes because the sun managed to struggle through those clouds somehow And for a few brief, unforgettable, brilliant moments, the mountains and the valleys, the lakes and fields were crowned with the most incredible, beautiful rainbow that I had ever seen. It's no wonder the poets go into such ecstasy at the sight of a rainbow. Um, I was in ecstasy that day. I can still see that scene in my mind's eye. The, the canvas sails on the boats, the white ones and the multicolored ones, the azaleas that were blooming by the lake. It must have been in the spring season when we were there. I couldn't remember when, but I remember the azaleas in bloom. Plush green hills gently descending into the water, all beneath a canopy of color. I wonder if it was an occasion like this <clears throat> that inspired one of the late poets, Wordsworth, to pen these words. My heart leaps up when I behold a rainbow in the sky. So it was when my life began. So is now that I'm a man. So it be when I grow old or let me die. As I stood on the deck watching the rainbow that day, I was grateful for the fact that man is not capable of messing up the rainbow somehow. It's beyond our capacity to do anything, to turn the rainbow into some kind of utilitarian purpose. I mean, we've dammed up the streams and the lakes. We've stripped the mountains of their timber. Uh, We've discovered the atom and split it to release its energies. But so far as we know, man can do nothing with the rainbow other than use it for a sermon or a poem, I suppose. Uh, But it remains uh, 
untouched by human hands. And just imagine what that rainbow meant to Noah and his descendants when they first saw it and heard it. Wait a minute now. Did the preacher just say he heard a rainbow? Yeah. Anybody can see a rainbow. Not everybody can hear the message of the rainbow. And that's what I would like for us to focus on this morning. Because when Noah saw, and especially when he heard the rainbow, he had the assurance he needed to step into an uncertain future, confident of the loving presence and purposes of God for all the earth. You see, the covenant made with Noah was not just with Noah. It wasn't just with humankind. It was with all inhabitants of the earth. And the rainbow was not simply so that Noah could remember the promise. Yes, it was for that. But it's so God could remember it. God said, when I look at the rainbow, I'll remember my promise never to destroy the earth by waters again. Have you ever heard a rainbow? I would suggest to you this morning that most of us could profit by listening to it again. And this is what we may hear if we do. To begin with, if we listen for the message of the rainbow, we will recognize that there's hope for the world. We all know too well the climate of despair in which we live in this age. There is a prevailing mood of anxiety and pessimism and gloom that hangs over life as we know it today. There are critical problems out there of enormous dimensions. The continuing threat of terrorism, the uncertainty of global markets, violent and deadly clashes between religious extremists, too little energy at too great a cost, a fragile ecosystem at risk because of man and machine and pollutants, the growing disparity between the rich and the poor throughout the earth and here at home, schoolhouses turned into slaughterhouses, as we saw this past week, the protruding bellies and mournful eyes of malnourished children, unstable world leaders who have access to the nuclear codes, the haunting faces of people in war-ravaged parts of the world that we've never even heard about. Evelyn Underhill once wrote that life in modern society is like living under a cloud without a rainbow. Who of us has not Wonder, where is God in the midst of all this tragedy and horror and heartache? And if God is there, why doesn't God do something? And yet, through all of this, throughout the ages, the Christian church has stood firm in articulating the conviction of the scriptures and of Christianity that this world belongs to God. It always has. It always will. And the world is in God's grasp, in God's care. And ultimately, God is responsible for what happens to the world. And the final assurance of God's love and care for the creation is the fact that he consented to send his only begotten son to be a part of it, to live among us as one of us. God was unwilling to leave the world to our stupid and senseless and selfish devices. God remains in charge of the world. As men and women of faith, we refuse to believe that this is an orphan world that is bereft of someone who cares. We refuse to believe, too, that it's in the hands or the clutches of some horned or hoofed beast who is really in charge of affairs today. To the contrary, we dare to believe that behind the world and above it and below it and within it lie the purposes of a loving and faithful God. And the order of things in this world 
are ultimately in his hand whether we can see that or not. And even when tragedy comes, as it often does, when man's stupidity or his meanness threatens disaster, God can take these ugly and evil things in life and turn them into good and larger purposes that we may not be capable of seeing. As the psalmist put it, he makes even the wrath of man to praise him. And so the message of the rainbow assures us beyond any shadow of a doubt that this is God's world, that God is in charge, and he hasn't relinquished control of it to anyone or anything else. As one hymn writer put it, this is my father's world. I rest me in the thought. A few years ago, I received a Christmas card from a friend in ministry in North Carolina, and he asked me a question. He said, I'm trying to find a story I heard when I was in college. It was a story about a Christmas song that was written, and it came out at a time of tragedy and heartache in the hymn writer's life, but I can't remember who the writer was or what the hymn was. And I racked my brain. I couldn't think of it either, but uh, he must have done further research because after Christmas, he wrote me back, and he said, I went back and found my college notes. And the writer was Henry Wordsworth Longfellow, one of America's best-loved poets. It was written in 1864, following the death of one of his sons in the Civil War. The song reflects initially, or as a part of it, his despondency on that occasion, but ultimately and eventually, his confidence in God brings him through. You know the words. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then comes the stanza that's omitted from most of our hymn books, which captures the writer's desperate situation. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But the poet recovers. And his faith sustains him. And in his final stanza, he writes, Then peal the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. Friends, if we listen for the message of the rainbow, we will entertain hope for this world of ours, despite seeming evidence to the contrast. And secondly, if we hear what the rainbow is saying, we will entertain hope for the church, for God's people in every age, because there will always remain a church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. There will always be a faithful remnant even in the worst of times and seasons. Of course, it's fashionable today to criticize the church, and much of that criticism is deserved, no doubt. The church has a way of majoring on the minors and dealing with internal struggles and conflicts and forget the calling to be and to do what God would have us to be and to do. We have our own divisions and cliques within every denomination and within every household of faith. And so often we are busy focusing on that and we can't therefore speak a word of reconciliation and peace to warring parts of our world or to nations at odds because we're so turn inward on ourselves. But the truth of the matter is, the truth that the critics of the church fail to realize is that we're just a group of ordinary folks, ordinary sinners, sinners who've been redeemed, but sinners no less. 
And we are all we have to work with. When people join the church, what they have to commit up front is that they know themselves to be a sinner. So we are just a group of sinners. Of course we have flaws. We always have. We always will. Uh, we are fallible people. Sometimes blind, sometimes bigoted, and not always a credit to the one we claim to be following. I remember several years back, I don't know which governor it was, but one of the governors of Alabama was criticized because they were having a lot of problems in the uh, prison system of Alabama. And he made the statement, well, if y'all would just give me a better class of prisoner, I could run a better prison system. <laughs> that's what we have in the church. If we could get a better class of members, we wouldn't have all these problems. But that's all we have to choose from, isn't it? And despite her flaws and her critics, the Christian church remains the greatest single phenomenon in the whole sweep of human history, stretching across cultures, continents, and centuries, transcending differences of blood and soil, of speech and culture, of race and gender. The Christian church has been God's instrument for bringing about change in the world. And with all of her weaknesses and failures, the church has never completely lost sight of God's vision for his world or of the coming kingdom of God. Sure, we have a checkered history in the church, but there will always be a faithful remnant that remains that proved to be faithful in difficult times and God honored that faithfulness and that service and rewarded them. That was the case with Noah and his descendants. They were the remnant of their day and no doubt the sight and the sound of the rainbow symbolized their conviction that God had not forsaken them either. He hadn't forsaken the world and he hadn't forsaken them and he would refuse to give up on them. The church today needs to hear that message again. Lest we despair about our future as a congregation, as a denomination, as Christian people in this land. But there's something else we need to hear about with respect to hope. We need to hear that there's hope not only for the world and not only for the church, but there's hope for us as individuals. We crave something a bit more personal than just knowing that the world and the church are in good hands. What about us? What about me? Does God really care? Does God notice when I try to do my best, when I work to be faithful, even when I fail? Does God know that I'm doing my best? And does he remember me like he remembered Noah? Genesis 8.1 is a great verse. You can preach the gospel from that verse. God remembered Noah. God remembered Noah, despite what was going on with the balance of humanity in all the earth. God remembered Noah, and he remembered all the creatures that he had fashioned because the covenant wasn't just with humanity. It was for, with all living beings, lest we forget. So, someone up there notices when we strive to be faithful. Someone cares, and someone will bless our efforts. You see, we individuals are fragile, and we need this message of hope every bit as much as the world and the church because we go through our times of despair and doubt. We go through seasons where we can't deal with our own habits and inclinations. We tire of the effort it takes to do the right thing and be the right people. We walk through the valleys of the shadow of death. We experience rejection or shame or contempt. And then it is that we need to know that God remembers us and that God is with us. And his promises are meant for individuals like you and me as well. 
There's room in God's encircling arms even for the likes of us. I need to hear that every now and then, don't you? You may not need to hear it this morning, but there will be many mornings you do need to hear it. You need a reminder. One believer who heard the message of the rainbow was incapable of seeing it, so he had to hear it. He was blind. His name was George Matheson, the Reverend Dr. George Matheson. He was a Scottish clergyman. And on June the 6th, 1882, he wrote what came to be one of the great hymns of Christendom, a hymn that was born out of his own suffering. We're told that he wrote that hymn within the span of five minutes. Shortly after his beloved, the girl to whom he was engaged, announced to him that because of his blindness, she would not be able to marry him. And so he wrote, O love that will not let me go. Not about human love, but about God's love. And he alludes to the rainbow, reminder. O joy that seeketh me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not vain that morn shall tearless be. Do you need a rainbow reminder this morning? Well, I encourage you to look and listen for the message of the rainbow because if you hear it, if you discover it, then you can go forward in confident hope for the world, for God's people, and for yourself. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.